Hi, this is John Cutterback with a Lifecraft Read Aloud in our Christmas story series. Schnitzel, Schnitzel, and Schnitzel. This is a tale from the Austrian Tyrol. It's told by Ruth Sawyer in her great book, The Long Christmas. I'm happy to be at the Copper Hearth on a bright, cold Virginia morning here in Shenandoah Valley. And I hope that you like this little story. The Tyrol straddles the Alps and reaches one hand into Italy and another into Austria. There are more mountains in the Tyrol than you can count, and every Alp has its story. Long ago, some say on the Brenner Alp, some say on the Mitterwald Alp. There lived the king of all the goblins, the Tyrol, and his name was Loren, King Loren. His kingdom was under the earth and all the gold and silver of the mountains he owned. He had a daughter, very young and very lovely, not at all like her father, who had a bulbous nose, big ears, and a squat figure and looked as old as the mountains. She loved flowers and was sad that none grew inside her father's kingdom. I want a garden of roses, red roses, pink roses, blush roses, flame roses, shell roses, roses like the sunrise and the sunset. This she said one day to her father. And the king laughed and said she should have just such a garden. They would roof it with crystal so that the sun would pour into the depths of the kingdom and make the roses grow lovely and fragrant. The garden was planted and every rare and exquisite rose bloomed in it. In so much color they spread upwards on the mountains around that the snow caught it, and the mortals living in the valley pointed at it with wonder. What is it makes our Alps so rosy, so glowing, they asked. And they spoke of it ever after as the Alpine glow. I have told you this, that you might know what kind of goblin King Loren was. He was merry, and he liked to play pranks and have fun. He liked to go abroad into the valleys where the mortals lived or pop into a herdsman's hut halfway up the mountain. There were men who said that they had seen him, that small squat figure with a bulbous nose and big ears, gambling with the goats on a summer day. And now I begin my story. It is an old one that that the Tyrolese mothers like to tell their children. Long ago, there lived in one of the valleys a very poor cobbler indeed. His wife had died and left him with three children, little boys, all of them, Fritzel, Franzel, and Hansel. They lived in a hut so small there was only one room in it, and in that was the cobbler's bench, a hearth for cooking, a big bed full of straw, and on the wall racks for a few dishes, and of course there was a table with a settle and some tools. I mean, some stools. They needed few dishes or pans, for there was never much to cook or eat. Sometimes the cobbler would mend the Sunday shoes of a farmer, and then there was good goat's milk to drink. Sometimes he would mend the holiday shoes of the baker, and then there was the good long crusty loaf of bread to eat. And sometimes he mended the shoes of the butcher, and then there was the good stew cooked with meat in the pot, noodles, leeks, and herbs. When the cobbler gathered the little boys around the table, they had said their grace. He would laugh and clap his hands and sometimes even dance. Ha ha, he would shout, today we have the good what? Ah, today we eat schnitzel, schnitzel, and schnitzel. With that, he would swing the kettle off the hook and fill every bowl brimming full. And Fritzel, Franzel, and Hansel would eat until they had had enough.
Ah, those were the good days. The days of having schnitzel, schnitzel, and schnitzel. Of course, the cobbler was making up nonsense and nothing else, but the stew tasted so much better because of the nonsense. Now a year came with every month following his brother on leaden feet. The little boys and the cobbler heard the month of March tramp out and April tramp in. They heard June tramp out and July tramp in. And every month marched heavier than his brother. And that was because war was among them again. War, with workers taking up their guns and leaving mothers and children to care for themselves as best they could. And there was scant to pay even a poor cobbler for mending shoes. The whole village shuffled to church with the soles flapping and the heels lopsided and the eyelets and buttons and straps quite gone. Summer, that was not so bad. But winter came and covered up the good earth and gone were the roots, the berries, the sorrel and the corn. The tramp of November going out and December coming in was very loud indeed. The little boys were quite sure that the two months shook the hut as they passed each other on the mountainside. As Christmas grew near, the little boys began to wonder if there would be any feast for them, if there would be the good father dancing about the room and laughing, ha-ha, and singing ho-ho, and saying, now, this being Christmas Day, we have the good what? And this time, the little boys knew that they would never wait for their father to say it, they would shout themselves. We know it is the good schnitzel, schnitzel and schnitzel. Ah, how very long it was since their father had mended shoes for the butcher. Surely, surely there would be need soon again with Christmas so near. At last came the eve of Christmas. The little boys climbed along the beginnings of the Brenner Alp looking for faggots. The trees had shed so little that year. Every branch was green and grew fast to its tree. So few twigs had snapped. So little was there of dead, dried brush to fill their arms. Their father came in when they had a small fire started, blowing his whiskers free of icicles, slapping his arms about his big body, trying to put warmth back into it. No, no, nobody will have a shoe mended today. I have asked everyone. Still, there's good news. The soldiers are marching into the village. The inn is full. They will have boots that need mending, those soldiers. You will see. He pinched a cheek of each little boy. He winked at them and nodded his head. You shall see. Tonight I will come, come home with what? Schnitzel, schnitzel, and schnitzel, they shouted together, those three. So happy they were, they forgot there was nothing to eat for supper. Not a crust, not a slice of cold porridge pudding, not the smallest sup of goat's milk. Will the soldiers have money to pay you? asked Fritzel, the oldest. Not the soldiers, perhaps, but the captains. There might even be a general. I will mend the boots of the soldiers for nothing. For after all, what day is coming tomorrow? They fight for us, those soldiers. We mend for them, ya? Yeah? But a general, he will have plenty of money. The boys stood about while their father put all his tools, all his pieces of leather, into a rucksack, while he wound and wound and wound the woolen scarf about his neck, while he pulled the cap far down on his head. It will be a night to freeze the ears off you, he said. Now bolt the door after me, keep the fire burning with a little at a time, and climb into the straw bed and pull the quilt over you, and let no one in. He was gone.
They bolted the door. They put a little on the fire. They climbed into the big bed, putting Hansel, the smallest, in the middle. They pulled up the quilt, such a thin quilt to keep out so much cold. Straight and still and close together they lay, looking up at the little spot of light the fire made on the ceiling, watching their breath go upwards in icy spurts. With the going of the sun, the wind rose. First it whispered. It whispered of good fires and big chimneys. It whispered of the pines on the mountainsides. It whispered of snow loosening and sliding over the glaciers. Then it began to blow. It blew hard. It blew quarrelsome. It blew cold and colder. And at last it roared. It roared its wintry breath through the cracks in the walls and under the door. And Fritzel, Franzel, and Hansel drew closer together and shivered. Whee, ooh, bang, bang. Whee, ooh, bang, bang. Is it the wind or someone knocking, asked Franzel. It's the wind, said Fritzel. Whee, ooh, knock, knock. Is it the wind or someone knocking, asked Hansel. It is the wind and someone knocking, said Fritzel. He rolled out of the bed and went to the window. It looked out directly on the path to the door. Remember what our father said, do not open it, said Franzel. But Fritzel looked and looked. Close to the hut, beaten against it by the wind, stood a little man no bigger than Hansel. He was pounding on the door. Now they could hear him calling, let me in, I tell you, let me in. Oh, don't, don't, cried Hansel. I must, said Fritzel. He looks very cold. The wind is tearing at him as a wolf tears at a young lamb. And with that, he drew the bolt, and into the hut skipped the oddest little man they had ever seen. He had a great peaked cap tied onto his head with deer thongs. He had a round red face out of which stuck a bulbous nose, like a fat plum on a pudding. He had big ears, and his teeth were chattering so hard they made the stools to dance. He shook his fist at the three little boys. Ah, kept me waiting. Wanted to keep all the good food, all the good fire to yourselves. Na, na, that is no kind of hospitality. He looked over at the little bit of a fire on the hearth, making hardly any heat in the hut. He looked at the empty table, not a bowl set or a spoon beside it. He took up the big pot, peered into it, and turned it upside down to make sure nothing was clinging to the bottom. Set it down with a bang. So, you've already eaten it all, greedy boys. But if you have saved no feast for me, you can at least warm me. With that, he climbed into the big straw bed with Fransel and Hansel, with his cap still tied under his chin. Fritzel tried to explain that they had not been greedy, that there had never been any food, not for days to speak of. But he was too frightened of the little man, of his eyes as sharp and blue as ice of his mouth so grumbling. Roll over, roll over, the little man was shouting at the two in the bed. Can't you see I have no room? Roll over and give me my half of the quilt. Fritzel saw that he was pushing his brothers out of the bed. Not nah, he said, trying to make peace with their guest. They are little, those two. There's room for all if we but lie quiet. He started to climb into the bed himself, pulling gently at the quilt, that there might be a corner for him. But the little man bounced and rolled about, shouting, Give me room, give me more quilts. Can't you see I'm cold? I call this poor hospitality to bring a stranger inside your door, give him nothing to eat, and then grudge him bed and covering to keep him warm. 
He dug his elbow into the side of skinny little Hansel. Ouch, cried the boy. Fritzl began to feel angry. Sir, he said, sir, I pray you to be gentle with my little brother. And I'm sorry there's been nothing to give you, but our father, the cobbler, has gone to mend shoes for the soldiers. When he returns, we look for food. Truly, this is a night to feast and to share. So if you will but lie still until he comes, I can promise you. The little man rolled over and stuck his elbow into Fritzl's ribs. Promise, promise, no, no, what good is a promise? Come, get out of bed and give me your place. He drew up his knees, put his feet in the middle of Fritzl's back, and pushed with a great strength. The next moment, the boy was spinning across the room. There you go, roared the little man after him. If you must keep warm, turn cartwheels. Turn them fast. For a moment, Fritzl stood sullenly by the small speck of fire. He felt bruised and very angry. He looked over at the bed. Sure enough, the greedy little man had rolled himself up in the quilt, leaving only a short corner of it for the two younger boys. He had taken more than half of the straw for himself and was then pushing and digging at Hansel. He saw Francois raise himself up and take the place of his littlest brother, that he should get the digs. Brr, it was cold. Before he knew what Fritzl was doing, as he had been told, turning cartwheels around the room. He had rounded the table and was coming toward the bed when plop, 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 plop. Things were falling out of his pockets every time his feet swung high over his head. Plop, plop, plop. The two younger boys were sitting up in bed. It was their cries of astonishment which brought Fritzl's feet back to the floor again to stay. In a circle about the room, he had left behind him a golden trail of oranges. Such oranges big as two fists. And sprinkled everywhere between were comfits wrapped in gold and silver paper. Fritzl stood and gaped at them. Here, you get out and keep warm yourself, shouted the little man as he dug Fransel in the ribs. Cartwheels for you, boy. And the next minute, Fransel was whirling in cartwheels about the room. Plop, plop, plop. Things were dropping out of his pockets. Christmas buns, Christmas cookies covered with icing, with plums, with anise, and caraway seeds. The little man was digging Hansel now in the ribs. Lazy boy, greedy boy. Think you can have the bed to yourself now? Na na, I'll have it. Out you go. And he put his feet against the little boy's back and pushed him onto the floor. Cartwheels, he began. But Fritzel. Forgetting his amazement at what was happening, shouted, But sir, he's too little. He cannot turn. Hold him up in the corner then. You keep warmer when your heels are higher than your head. Step lively there. Take a leg, each of you, and be quick about it. So angry did the little man seem, so fiery and determined, that Fritzl and Fransel hurried their little brother over to the chimney corner, stood him on his head, and each held a leg. Donner and Blitzen, what happened then? Whack, whack, wickety-whack, whack, whack, wickety-whack. Pelting the floor like hail against the roof came silver and gold pieces, all pouring out of Hansel's pockets. Fritzl began to shout. Fransel began to dance. Hansel began to shout, let me down, let me down. When they did, the three little boys danced around the pile taking hands and singing tra-la-la and fiddle-dee-dee and ting-a-ling-a-ling until the breath was gone 
and they could dance no longer. They looked over at the bed, and Fritzel was opening his mouth to say, Now, if you please, sir, we can offer you some Christmas cheer. But the bed was empty. The quilt lay in a heap on the floor. The little man had gone. The three little boys were gathering up the things on the floor, putting oranges into the big wooden bowl, buns and cookies onto the two platters, silver and gold pieces into this dish and that. And the right in the midst of it came their father, stamping, puffing in through the door. He had brought bread, he had brought milk, he had brought meat for the good stew and noodles. Such a wonder, such a clapping of hands, such a singing as they worked to get ready the Christmas feast. Fritzl began the story about their Christmas guest. Franzl told it mid-through, but little Hansel finished, making his brother stand him in the corner again on his head to show just how it was that all the silver and gold had tumbled out of his pockets. No, no, said the cob cobbler. We are the lucky ones. I did not know it was true. Always I thought it was a tale the grandfathers told the children. The saying goes that King Loren comes every year at the Christmas to one hut, one family, to play his tricks and to share his treasure hoard. He was a very ugly little man, said Hansel. He dug us in our ribs and took all the bed for himself. That was the king. That is the way he plays at being fierce. Say, come, Herr Jesu, and sei unser Gast. Come, Lord Jesus, and be our guest. Then draw up the stools. Ah, what have we to eat? The little boy shouted the answer all together. Schnitzel, schnatzel, and schnutzel. Bless our tale from the Austrian Tyrol.